Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. Join us this Sunday at one of our four campuses. Call times are at 9 and 11 a.m. at our Somerville and Remount campuses, 10 a.m. at our North Charleston campus, and 11 a.m. at our Monk's Corner campus. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Larry Burbacher. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit faithishere.org. All right, welcome to Faith Today. Great to see you guys. I'm glad you came to church this morning. I'm so excited about what God is going to do in the house. I've been praying for a release of miracles this morning, and I believe we're going to see it happen. Take your Bibles out. Turn to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. Now, as you can see from the the, the clips, uh, we are all about raising up a godly generation of men and ladies. And so men's fraternity starts this week. Uh, They'll be meeting right here at this campus at 5.30 on Tuesday morning and at 6.30 on Tuesday night. And so for all the men who want to grow in their faith in the Lord and learn how to be godly men and leaders of their home, that's the time for you. And so that's what the clip was all about. And the ladies are starting sisterhood this week as well. They meet Tuesday morning at 9.30 and Wednesday night right here at 7 o'clock. And so uh, you can come to one of those two times. So we want to see godly men, godly women. When we have that, we'll have godly families. And the next generation will grow up to follow and serve the Lord. Amen? Let's stand together for the reading of God's word today. Revelation chapter 19. We, are, we have been looking at the character of God. I, I've, I've enjoyed this series. We're only three weeks into it, uh, but I'm excited about what we've learned so far. And first of all, we learned God is sovereign. God is ruler over all. Amen? And he's the potter, and we're the clay, and God can do what he wants to, when he wants to, how he wants to. God is a sovereign God. The sovereign of all the universe. What a joy to know him and then we looked at God as love we saw how that prodigal God that lavish God God standing at the end of the road looking for those who've wandered away with arms open wide waiting and looking for the prodigal children to return home God is there and God is love and last week we looked at God as righteous always righteous always just And out of that righteousness flows his mercy, and out of that righteousness flows his judgment. And and that judgment has already been meted out in Christ Jesus. And if we'll accept what he did for us, we can be saved through God's mercy and grace. But God's character never changes. He is always, always righteous. Today we're going to look at God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. Now, I talked about his sovereignty. I will tell you sovereignty and omnipotence go together. You cannot have one without the other. To reign, God must have power. And to reign sovereignly, he must have all power. Thus the name omnipotent means all-powerful, having all-powerful. And I want to tell you, we serve today an all-powerful God, an omnipotent God, and his name is God Almighty. Hallelujah. I'm more excited than you. You're going to get there. By the time this service is over, I promise it's going to hit you. Revelation 19, verse 1. Let us read it uh, as we look at God's word together. After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah. And then we sang it early. Salvation and power and salvation and glory and power belong to our God. We just sang it. Listen, guys, when we engage in praise and worship, I'm just throwing this out. This is extra. I just just wanted to share this with you. When we engage in praise and worship, it's not the time to look around. It's not the time to fold your arms. It's not the time. Think about what we're singing and what we're saying. Salvation and glory and power belongs to our God. How can we sing that and not be moved? When we are worshiping God, God's presence come down and visits us. And it's been so powerful in the house. I, and I want to encourage all of you to enter in and just worship him. Salvation. Hallelujah. This is a scene. Hallelujah. Salvation. There's a great roar of a great multitude in heaven. A great multitude saying, declaring salvation and glory and power 
belong to our God, for true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah! Smoke goes up from her forever and ever. Twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who was seated on the throne. And they cried out, Amen! That means so be it. It is true. Amen? Hallelujah! Which means praise our God. Yah! That was the name for Jehovah. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Praise our God. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both small and great. Then I heard what sounded like the great multitude, like the roar of the rushing waters and like the loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah! For the Lord, for our Lord God, Almighty reigns. For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Father, you help me today. God, I can't say anything without your spirit. Let me declare your word, power, boldness, and authority. We thank you for your sweet presence here today. Open up our hearts today to the Almighty God. In your mighty name we ask it. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. That uh, the word almighty actually appears in the Bible 56 times. But that word almighty is never used in con- just all alone and all by itself. It is always used in connection with God. It is always God who is referred to as the Almighty. 56 times Almighty. He alone is Almighty. Now the Hebrew for the Lord Almighty or God Almighty is the word El Shaddai. Everybody say El Shaddai. El Shaddai, it means God Almighty. Now we read it to you in Revelation. The first time it appears is found in Genesis 17. And I want you to turn back there. And we're going to stay in Genesis 17 just a little bit today. Genesis 17, verses 1 and 2. And you're going to see this is the very first time the phrase El Shaddai is used. God Almighty. And when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai. I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you, and I will greatly increase your numbers. Now, God God comes to Abraham and he appears to him again. He's already appeared to him in Genesis chapter 12 and then again in chapter 15 and 16. And so you really have the story of Abraham and the birthing of the new nation of Israel. And so he's going to come back And now, at this time, keep in mind, Abraham is 100 years old. Or, excuse me, here, 99 years old. And it's in this time he comes back and reappears again to Abraham and says, I am God, El Shaddai, I am the Lord God Almighty. Now, in Genesis 12, 2, he made a promise to Abraham. He says, Abraham, I am going to make of you a great nation. And then in And Genesis 13 and verse 16, he says, your seed will be as the dust of the earth. That's what I'm going to do to your nation and to your seed. And and then he says in in Genesis 15 and verse 5, he says again, and your seed shall be as the stars in the heaven. You ever on a clear night tried to count the stars? You can't do it. That stars, and he said, your seed, Abram, will be as the stars of the heaven. And the Bible says, Abram believed God who reckoned to him it for righteousness. But now something begins to happen. The years pass by and no children, no offspring. 
From Genesis chapter 12, when he's 75 years old, and now he's 99 years old, nothing has happened. He's only heard the promise of God, but nothing was ever fulfilled. There is still no seed. And what happens with Abram is his faith is beginning to dim. It's beginning to grow dark. He's, he's really doubting, is, is, is this going to happen to me? I'm getting old, I'm past my years. And so what Abram does is, is he gets with Sarah, and they adopt a fleshly message to fulfill the promise. They're going to do it in their own strength and their own abilities. And so Abram reasons before it's too late. I need to have a seed. I need to have offspring. And so he takes Hagar, the the servant of Sarai, and takes him unto himself into the tent. And she has a son. And that son's name is Ishmael. He adopted a, a fleshly, method of fulfilling God's promise, and he had a son, Ishmael, and he introduced Islam into the world. And you don't have to look too long at what's going on in Syria, and in Egypt, and in Iraq, and those countries over there, and to see the price that we are paying in the world today, because Abraham did not wait on God. Ishmael. By the years go by, and now Abraham is 99 years old, and the promise seems absolutely impossible for God to fulfill. He thinks it's possibly already been done through Ishmael. And God says, Ishmael is not the one. He is not the seed I promised unto you. And so he comes to him, and it appears again, and he says, he introduces himself for the first time, I am God Almighty. I can do anything. I am all-powerful, I am omnipotent, I am almighty. And we see that phrase, El Shaddai. Pick it up with verse number three. And Abram fell face down. And God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram, for your name will be Abraham. For I have made you the father of many nations, and I will make you very fruitful. Everybody say fruitful. And I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. Now the name Abram means exalted father. He says, I am the almighty God. Your name is exalted father. But he says, you know what? In keeping with my name and my promise, I'm going to change your name. And you will no longer be called Abram. Now, God Almighty has appeared to Abram. And he says, I will change your name to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. He was already the father of Ishmael. But God says, I will make you the father of a multitude. And I will bless you, and you will be, listen to the word, fruitful. Now, let's fast forward a little bit. And God, Isaac is blessing his children. He blesses his son, Jacob. And he says in Genesis 28 and verse 3, he says, May God Almighty, may El Shaddai bless you and make you fruitful. Okay, you see the connection? You're going to begin to see a theme here. God Almighty, El Shaddai, may he bless you and make you fruitful. And increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. And so now the promise is passed on to his grandson, uh, Jacob, as well. Genesis 35 and verse 11. God says, I am God Almighty. I am El Shaddai. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you and kings will come from your body. And so you're going to see now a connection between the name El Shaddai and fruitfulness now when god uses the name el shaddai god almighty he is talking about his ability to bless and make fruitful you say where do you get that this is this is really cool listen up the name shaddai is also used 24 other times or, a, or a, a, the root of that name is used 24 other times in connection with the word breast. 
A shad in Hebrew is the word for breast. And when God reveals himself as the God Almighty to Abram, he says, El Shaddai, God Almighty, God who is able to nourish you, God who is able to satisfy you, God who is able to supply everything you need uh, because the root of the word for Shaddai is the same word for breast. Uh, One who nourishes, uh, one who pours forth blessings, uh, one who nourishes us, uh, one who takes care of us, uh, one who blesses us. Uh, Shaddai signifies one who nourishes, satisfies, supplies from the root word breast. So when you take Shaddai, and then you put it with El, which is the name, the short for Elohim, which is the name for God, you come up with God who nourishes, God who supplies, God who is almighty to satisfy, bless, nourish, and make you fruitful. It is the God who pours forth blessing. El Shaddai. God is all-sufficient, and he is all-bountiful. Now, I want you to turn to Genesis 49. You're going to see these words begin to come together. And I'm going to, I'm going to bring all this together, so I'm, I'm laying out the foundation. Genesis 49, verse 24. Jacob is on his deathbed, and he calls his sons together. And his name has been changed to Israel. And he says, bring my 12 sons. And he brings them and he begins to pronounce blessings over them and tell them what God is going to do in their future. And so he gets the 12 sons. It's a moving scene. And so we're in Genesis 49 and verse 24. And he's giving them prophecies. He's speaking prophetically over his sons. And so we jump down to verse number 24. But his, his bow remains steady. His strong arm, he's talking about Joseph. Let me, let me take it up to verse 22. Joseph is a fruitful vine. There you see the word fruitful. A fruitful vine near a spring whose branches climb over the wall with bitterness. Archers attack him. They shot at him with hostility. But then he says, but his bow remained steady. His strong arms stayed limber. He's talking about Joseph, that fruitful nation, that son of Jacob. He says, his strong arms stayed limber because of the hand of the mighty one of Jacob. Now there he doesn't use El Shaddai. He simply uses the word for almighty Shaddai. So he says, because the hand of Shaddai of Jacob, because of the shepherd of the rock of Israel. Now, because of your father's God who helps you, because of the almighty who blesses you now look at verse 24 again with me because of your father's god who helps you the word there is for god is l your father's l who helps you because of the almighty shaddai who blesses you he is pronouncing his blessing over joseph he says you are going to be fruitful he says it is god l who helps you It is Shaddai, the Almighty, who blesses you. Look at, now let's keep reading. With the blessings of heavens above, with the blessings that lie below, with the blessings of the breast and womb. Is it beginning to come together in your brains, in your hearts? Is it coming together? He says, Joseph, you are going to be a fruitful nation. He says, because it's God who blesses you. And then he says later, he says, it's God who helps you. It's the Almighty who blesses you with the blessings of the breast and of the womb. He is picturing El Shaddai, the God who helps and the God who pours out blessing. God who is omnipotent, God who is almighty, but this same God desires to pour blessings out on us. And you see the connection with the words. Turn to Isaiah chapter 66. Isaiah chapter 66. 
Look at verse number 10. You're going to see the connection of the words again. Now, he, he, he's, Isaiah is, is pointing to the restoration of Israel. Israel's in captivity. They are in bondage. And he's pointing to their redemption and their restoration. And Isaiah 66 is one of these incredible, beautiful chapters. And so you come down to verse 10, and he says, Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her, all you who love her. Rejoice greatly with her, all you who mourn over her, for you will nurse and be satisfied at her comforting breasts. You will drink deeply and delight in her overflowing abundance. For this is what the Lord says, I will extend peace to her like a river and the wealth of nations like a flooding stream. You will nurse and be carried on her arms and dandled on her knees. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. As a mother nurses her child, I will pour out blessings on you, O Israel. I will restore you. Why? Because he is God Almighty. Because he is El Shaddai. He has the power to carry it out, and he loves you so much, he wants to bless you on top of it. You have a God who wants to pour out blessings on you. Hallelujah. God is almighty and he's able to carry out his purposes and his plans to the fullest and most glorious completion. Every promise will be fulfilled. Uh, There's a lot of phrases in the New Testament that said he is able. Everybody say he is able. He is able. He's able to triumph over every obstacle. He is able to subdue all kings unto himself. Uh, He is able to save to the uttermost. Uh, He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ever ask or think. Uh, Why? Because he is God Almighty. He is God all-sufficient. He is my El Shaddai. And from him comes blessing and fruitfulness and fullness. My goodness. This is the God we serve. Now, let's, let's grind it down. To experience God's sufficiency, we must first realize our own insufficiency. To experience God's sufficiency... We must first experience our own insufficiency. To experience God's fullness, we must first empty ourselves. Now let's go back to Abraham. Turn to Romans chapter 4. I want to show you something very, very interesting in God's word. Romans chapter 4 and verse number 18. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Now, he's recounting what I read to you earlier in Genesis 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Now listen, before God could be El Shaddai to him, Abram had to first die. To himself. And before God can be our all sufficiency, we have got to realize our own insufficiency. Since he was a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Now I want you to turn back to Revelation to Genesis 17. There's something that's going to catch your attention there notice it said his faith did not waver if if it says that in romans chapter 4 and god's word is true it is yea and amen every word of god is true and so if he says his faith did not waver why do we have this verse in genesis chapter 17 and verse 17 go back to genesis 17 he's already made his revelation makes this promise again and it says and abram fell face down and he laughed And he said to himself, will a son be born to me, a man a hundred years old, and will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? 
Now, what's Abram doing? He's laughing. That doesn't sound like unwavering faith, does it? He's laughing. He's mocking. He says, how can this be? God, can't you see? I'm 100 years old. Sarah's 90. How can this be? And he laughs. It does not sound like Romans chapter 4. Jump on down. Look at you, what at Genesis 18. Look at verse number 9. Where is your wife Sarah, they ask him. There in the tents, he said. And the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah listened at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him, and Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am old and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? And the Lord said to Abram, Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have this child when I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for El Shaddai? For the Almighty God, for God omnipotent. I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. And Sarah was afraid and so she lied and said, I did not laugh. And he said, yes, you did laugh. I caught you. El Shaddai. What happens between Romans 4 and, and, and Genesis 17 and 18? Romans 4, his faith Never wavered. Genesis 17, they laughed. We'll begin to put it together in the chronology here. The gestation period for a child is nine months. Nine months. He said, this time next year, one year from now, I will come back to you. God takes Abraham and Sarah from laughter. And, 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 uh, Doubting and a lack of faith to by the time they conceive three months later, God in that three month period of time takes them from laughter to unwavering faith. Unwavering faith. They staggered not at the promise of God. He said, I am El Shaddai. I am God Almighty. I am the God who pours out blessing. And I want to propose to you, if you will get a new revelation of El Shaddai, he can take you from doubt and wavering and fear and unbelief and laughter and take you to a place of unwavering faith in a matter of just a few months. Hallelujah. You see, for God to show that it was only through his sufficiency, his bounty, his blessing, his power, he had to allow Abraham's to die, his, his reproductive organs to be useless, to be no good anymore. He had to allow Sarah's womb to totally die and be no good anymore. Uh, why does he wait 99 years. Why does he wait uh, 99 years before he will be able to, to father and, and before he will be able to implant seed into his wife? Why does he wait 90 years, 89 years for Sarah? Because he is going to show that he is God Almighty. He is El Shaddai. It's not by your own strength. It's not by your might. It's not by you taking a handmaiden out there somewhere and getting ahead of God. You see, we get all messed up. Because we get nervous uh, and we see things not happening and then we resort to the arm of the flesh to see God accomplish what we need in our life. Uh, when God says, if you'll just see, I am God Almighty, I am El Shaddai, you don't have to resort to your own flesh. Uh, you don't have to mess up everything by having an Ishmael. Listen, church, family, listen to me. We got Ishmael scattered all over the place. Because we got impatient and didn't wait on God. Who wants to pour out blessings. Who will wait till we die. To wait till we can see our insufficiency. So he can become our all-sufficient God. Abram, 
The same thing is true with uh, uh, Jacob. Jacob thought he could do it in his own strength and power, but before he could finally re-enter the land of promise, God had to cripple Jacob with a limp. And he sends El Shaddai down, and Jesus Christ, God Almighty, comes down and wrestles with him all night long and touches the the side of of his socket in his joint right there. And from that point on, Jacob is going to walk with the limp, uh, but his name would forever be called Israel, one who has power with God, one who has favor with God, one who has met El Shaddai. And when he meets El Shaddai, when he comes to the end of himself, then God can pour out his blessings. God won't bless you if you don't need it. You think you got it all together. If you think you're all that in a bag of chips, God can't come down and be El Shaddai to you. Hallelujah. God, and he, he says about his salvation, he says, my salvation is a gift of God, lest no man should boast. You can't save yourself. You cannot save yourself. It is not of works. It is by God's grace. So the name El Shaddai, God Almighty, teaches Abraham that is, he was insufficient in himself. Uh, he was futile in all of his own efforts. Uh, he was folly in his impatience in running ahead of God. And I want to tell you, church, we have been guilty of the very same thing. And so today, church, we need a new revelation of who God is. Uh, he is God Almighty. He is El Shaddai, our all-sufficient one. Go back to Genesis 17, verse 1. And when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and says, I am God Almighty. But he continues. He says, walk before me and be blameless. Be blameless. That word for blameless, some versions translated perfect. That word for blameless means to be complete and wholehearted. Complete and whole. Abraham's faith had been marred by his fleshly effort to carry out the promise of God in his own strength. He became self-sufficient and thought through my sufficiency, I can bring forth a nation with Hagar. And out of that came Ishmael. But God says, I've got to wait until you empty yourself, until you're Womb is dead until your body is dead, until there's no hope. Before I can be El Shaddai for you. The more self we have, the less blessing of God he can pour out. The more pride, the more self-sufficiency, the less fruit we can bear. Tell him. The more pride... The more self-sufficiency, the more arrogance, the less fruit can be born in our life. Because it's El Shaddai who makes us fruitful. Now, here's, here's the hard thing. Sometimes, the only way that God can get us to the point of when we begin to realize our own insufficiency, our own weaknesses, our own inabilities is to chasten us. And we don't like it. We hate it when God chastens us. We get angry and say, why me, God? But God has to chasten us to get our attention so we'll realize our insufficiency. Now, I'm taking you to another, another level here about this name, El Shaddai. El Shaddai is not only used in connection with blessing. The name for God, El Shaddai, is also used in connection with judgment and punishment. It is used in both cases in the word of God. It is used in connection with judgment, chastening, and purging. Now, I'll tell you another quick story. Oh, I'm getting Naomi. Naomi is in the land of plenty. She's in the land of Bethlehem. They have a setback. A famine comes in the land. Bethlehem means house of bread. Bread, symbol of life, the staff of life, the abundance of God, the life that flows from him. And yet, in their lack of faith, and they're trying to work things out on their own, Naomi and her husband move out to Moab. 
And they take their two boys with them. And I'm giving you the, just the real, real quick version. The boys find some Moabite women, and they marry those ladies, uh, and, uh, and they die. And, and her husband dies, son number one dies, uh, son number two dies. And in a span of ten years, she loses all of her family. In Moab, away from everybody, in a foreign heathen land. Now, look at Ruth chapter 1, 20 20 and 21. She's going to make the return with Ruth. That's the name of the book, Ruth 1, 20 and 21. Don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant. She told them. Call me Mara, which means bitter. So her name meant pleasant, but she's coming back. She's frowning and she's upset and she's angry and she's still mad at God. Because of his chastening, because of the judgment of the Lord. Because they left Bethlehem. Because the Almighty, the Shaddai, has made my life bitter. The same Shaddai that pours out blessing can also pour out bitter milk. Now in reality, Naomi brought that on herself. But she is going to blame God. And God, whether you like it or not, allowed it all to happen. Get Naomi and Ruth back to Bethlehem to put Ruth in the line of Jesus Christ. So he chastens Naomi. He brings her down to nothing. Bitterness, anger, resentment. So he could come in and then pour out blessing. Now let me finish this verse here. Because the Almighty... The Shaddai has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty, there's the word again, has brought misfortune on me. Now listen to me. The same El Shaddai that pours out blessing can also pour out judgment. Can also bring chastening into our life. Hebrews tells us that God chastens us because he loves us, that it might yield yield a peaceable fruit of righteousness. So the Shaddai, the Almighty, will allow chastening to come our way so that in the end we will be more fruitful. The end result is the same. God wants to bless. God wants to make you fruitful but don't go the hard way. Don't rest in your own strength. Don't try to do it on your own. Or then we invite the chastening because in the end result, God wants to make us fruitful. The potter, we're the clay, and he breaks it down and starts all over again because we get marred. John 15, 2 carries the same thought, and I gotta go quick. He purges every branch that we may bring forth more fruit. So he will come, he will chasten, he will snip away, he'll prune back those branches, but in the end, it yields more fruit. And in verse 5, he says, without me, without the all-sufficient one, you can do nothing, nada, zilch, zippo. Now turn to Revelation 16. Revelation 16. Now you're going to see the Revelation used the, the, the almighty word several times. I read it to you at the beginning in verse chapter 19. Let's go to Revelation 16. Revelation 16 and uh, verse number 7. And I heard the altar respond saying, Yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. Now God's pouring out wrath on the earth. The earth is being cleansed because of its wickedness. It starts in Revelation 6. It goes through the, through, all the way through Revelation 19. You see this picture of God pouring out bold judgments uh, on the face of the earth. Uh, he's turning up the vials. He's turning up the bowls. Uh, and judgment comes uh, on the earth because God is going to cleanse the earth. That in the earth, the, the, in the end, the earth once again will be fruitful. And what is he called in Revelation as he's pouring out judgment? I read it to you. Yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. Jump down to verse number 14. 
They are the spirit of demons performing miraculous signs. They go to the kings of the whole world to gather them for battle on the great day of God Almighty. On the great day of El Shaddai. Jump down to chapter 19 and verse number 5. 15, verse 15. Look at this one. And out of the mouth comes a sharp sword with which he strikes down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. The wrath, the wrath, I said it to you, I read it to you. The wrath of God Almighty. Now, what determines whether God pours out judgments or pours out blessing? Turn to Revelation chapter 21. It's all about the lamb. It's about to get good, church. Listen to me. It is all about the lamb. It's all about the lamb. What determines whether God pours out judgment or blessing depends on how you respond to the lamb. Now, Revelation 21, 22, and 23. And I did not see the temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the lamb are in the temple. The city does not need sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives light and the Lamb is its lamp. The Lamb, the Lord God Almighty, is in his temple and in his glory. The Lamb is the full manifestation of God's love because he is the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth. He is the lamb that hung on Calvary. He is the lamb that became our sacrifice. Now turn to Revelation chapter 6. I don't, I'm not going to read it to you. Let me just tell you. It's the Lamb who takes the scroll. Remember when I talked about the title deed to heaven and earth? Who is worthy to open up the scroll? And they said, the Lamb of God is the only one who is worthy to open up the scroll. And so the Lamb, the Lord God Almighty, opens the scroll. And what's the scroll do? He begins to pronounce judgments upon the earth, uh, the wrecking of every wrong. Uh, and he begins to make every wrong right again. Uh, so what am I saying? El Shaddai of the Old Testament uh, is Jesus Christ, the Lamb in the New Jesus Christ is God Almighty. Jesus Christ is El Shaddai. And you see it all come together in the book of Revelation. Uh, and so here's the, here's the, here's the crux. If, if we will not receive the fullness of his love in life from God and through his son, then we will receive his judgment. You will choose whether God will pour out judgment or blessing based on your response to the Lamb to the sacrifice, to what Jesus Christ has done for us. The lamb who poured out his blood, poured out his blood on the cross, did that so that he might pour out his life unto us. And he says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. It is through Jesus Christ. He is our sufficiency. He is the lamb. He pours out blessing. He is our abundant giver of life. He must pour out judgment upon sin, death upon those who will not receive him, but on those who come to know God Almighty, the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the earth, he wants to pour out blessing. 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 The Almighty God speaks of the inexhaustible store of God's bounty, of his riches, of his fullness, of his grace, his self-sacrificing love poured out for us. James, I, I had some of these songs. It just it, I, That's why I hope you're watching the words. That third song we sang, Every Good Gift comes from the Father of Life. Uh, that is taken from James, uh, where he talks about a God who pours out blessings, uh, about a God who is never changing, about how every good and perfect gift, uh, and then we begin to sing those words, uh, healing, uh, redemption, forgiveness, uh, cleansing. Uh, it's all found uh, in God Almighty, Jesus Christ, El Shaddai. But we must not forget that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Weakness. For us to experience God's sufficiency, we must realize our own insufficiency. For us to experience God's strength, we must realize our own weakness. 
His fullness for our emptiness. So this morning, I want your faith to arise and believe that with God, nothing is impossible. That He is God Almighty. He is El Shaddai. Nothing is impossible. And today, He has absolute power. He is omnipotent. And He has power to save. And He has power to forgive. And He has power to heal. And he has power to deliver. And he has power to provide. And he has power to restore. And he has power to bless. For it was at his command that he spoke the worlds into being. And the Lord God Almighty can do anything he wants. uh, Anytime he wants. Uh, He can as easily heal cancer as he can the common cold. Uh, It's not too difficult for El Shaddai. uh, Because he is sufficient in himself. Uh, He never runs out of energy. He never needs to be restored or recharged. Uh, He is always El Shaddai. He is always God omnipotent. He is always God all powerful. He does not need us. But I will tell you tell you we need him has all power hallelujah Ah, i want to pray i want to pray i want to seek god i told you last week begin to pray for miracles this week i hope you've been praying all week long for miracles in the house i was uh last night i had just fallen asleep i'd looked over my notes and uh, getting ready for today, getting my heart ready, kind of reviewing things last minute. And I uh, put them down about 11.30. I said, I got to get to sleep. I guess I didn't get any sleep the night before, about three hours on Friday night. And so I needed some sleep. So I said, I'm going to be worthless on Sunday. I'm going to get a little sleep. So closed my notes, went to sleep. I had just fallen into one of those real deep sleeps. And, and the phone rang. And it was midnight. And I uh, looked at that cell phone, and it tells where the number's coming from. It had a ton of numbers on it, so I knew it was coming from overseas. And my daughter, Lindy, was calling me from Nepal. Now, they were up. It was Sunday morning there. They're 12 hours difference, 13 hours difference, something like that. And so it was morning there. And so my daughter, who's a missionary in Nepal, calls me up. And her voice is quivering. She says, Dad, I need you to call the intercessors. I need you guys to pray. And... uh, and uh, we, we, uh, they've just arrested Josh, her husband. And uh, he was in Nepal and in Darchula. And, and Josh and Lindy, my son-in-law and daughter, they're, they're in Nepal. They're climbing up mountains. They're reaching unreached peoples. But that is a Hindu nation. It is absolutely forbidden to share your faith, to share the gospel. And so you go, into, you go in there under a visa, a teaching visa or some other kind of visa, and they did go to school and they, they fulfilled the requirements of the visa. But you go in under some other visa and then you begin to share the gospel. And so they've been hiking around the villages and uh, sharing the gospel. And they have uh, some disciples now. There are people who are not theirs, disciples of God. And they're following the Lord today. They've been baptized in water, but it's all done you can't say stuff on the internet. You can't write to them about what God's doing and all that because the authorities can come and pick it up. And, and in Nepal, they're starting to clamp down. And in the last six months, they've been deporting now people out of that nation of Nepal and, uh, and bringing some of them home. And now they're starting to persecute some in the church, uh, the, the believers there who are in Nepal. And she just said, Dad, they've arrested Josh. They're calling the U.S. Embassy right now. And we don't know what they're going to do. And... Uh, and I don't think they were in fear for his life as much as they were just being kicked out of the country because they're just starting to make some real good inroads and real progress, and they were just afraid it was all going to come to light and they were going to be forced to leave the country. And they said they're looking at two things. They're, looking at, uh, they're talking to the embassy, and they're looking at the Internet and their, his Internet record. Well, we send messages like God's so good and, and great to hear what God's doing over there and all that. We use this a lot, and so the authorities can pick that up and by that determine that, you know, you're here sharing the gospel and you're talking about God. And so she just says, I need you to pray. I want you to call some of the intercessors. And uh, just, just, and it's midnight. And, uh, but it can't, she said, it can't wait till tomorrow. You know, sometimes I say, we'll, 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 I'll bring it up to church. We'll pray on sun, Sunday morning. We can all pray together. She says, it can't wait till tomorrow. He's in jail right now. And so I called Bobby Joe, uh, head of our intercessory prayer team. I said, Bobby Joe, get the word out somehow. I need my intercessor to go to their knees right now at 12 midnight and begin to pray. I called my son, 
Chad, who is pastoring in Jacksonville. I said, I want you to begin to pray. I want you to call some of the intercessors in your church and have them begin to pray. I called Jason. I said, Jason, get on your knees and let's begin to pray. And, and then my wife and I began to pray, and we just interceded and prayed, and then we just kind of prayed throughout the night. And then, and then I got a, another email this morning, I think it was there. Was it this morning or called back in the middle of the night, about 2.30 or something like that. I don't know. She called back and said, Dad, Josh has been released. I don't know how they didn't find anything. I, I don't know. I don't know how they didn't see anything. He said, it's almost if God had blinded the eyes of the authority. Remember, he did that many times in the word of God. He would blind their eyes so they wouldn't see the stuff, the real stuff. And, and it's almost as if God blinded their eyes. And, uh, and, and he was let go. And, and they're, they're going to keep serving the Lord. And it's like God, you know, he just puts it all together. I don't, God just does stuff that just blows our imagination. I want to thank those who prayed last night in the middle of the night. Uh, Jody, Scott and Jody's daughter's over there, and they had gotten a call about Kendall, and so they were praying as well. And I want to just thank those who were praying. But God's, God's God Almighty. He's El Shaddai. He wants to pour out blessing. He wants to pour out blessing. He wants to heal you. He wants to heal your body. He's going to heal today. I believe he's going to heal around these altars. I believe God's going to heal people today. We're going to hear testimonies from this service of people who were healed in their body. There are people who need El Shaddai to pour out some financial blessings. Man, you don't know where the money's coming from. You don't know what you're going to, you don't know how much longer you're going to be able to stay in your house or whether your car's going to be taken away. And you just, you've lost your job and... You need, you need El Shaddai to show up. You need to, the God Almighty, the all-sufficient one, my all-sufficient one. I need him to take care of me. I need him to help, help me with these payments and provide the finances. I need El Shaddai to come and restore my broken relationship. The marriage, everyone says it's dead. It's dead. It's like Abraham's womb, dead. Sarah's womb, dead. Done, over, finished. No chance of having kids. And you've been told your marriage is dead. El Shaddai is still El Shaddai. He's the same God of Abraham as he is today. I'm telling you, if you'll come to El Shaddai, say, God, you're almighty. I can't forgive them. I can't let it go. I can't do it in my own sufficiency. I can't do it in my own strength. But then El Shaddai shows up my all-sufficient God, and I can give it to Him. Thanks for listening to this weekly podcast. Check out faithishere.org for podcasts and videos of our previous messages.